0: It is through howards of encouragement, howards of passion, howards of courage, howards of just go and do it, be that tiny little hummingbird, do the best that you can to save this world that keep me going each and every day.
1: You are listening to Think African, a seasonal podcast engaging African thinkers and doers on what it means to think African. Remember to like, rate, and review this podcast so that more people like you can find it. I'm your host, J.D. Ramalab.
2: African. African.
1: I don't know about you. But I was taken a little aback when I read a letter to African leaders penned by close to 100 prominent African intellectuals at the start of the COVID-19 crisis. In that letter, African intellectuals urged African leaders to use the pandemic as an opportunity for a radical change in direction for the continent. They also called for a second independence. A second independence. Is Africa not independent? So we reached out to some of them to help us think through what a second African independence could look like in the face of COVID-19. What are some of the practical steps we could take, for example, to reach that goal from now on? But they were not available. So we searched for a contemporary African thinker with a practical blueprint for Africa's development coming from African people themselves the late Kenyan professor Wangari Mathai. We used her 2009 book, The Challenge for Africa, published shortly after the 2008 financial crisis, as the inspiration for this edition of Think African. The words she wrote in conclusion to the book's introduction could not be more relevant today. Quote, The current crisis offers Africa a useful lesson and its greatest challenge. Nobody knows the solution to every problem. Rather than blindly following the prescriptions of others, Africans need to think and act for themselves and learn from their mistakes. End quote this first installment of Think African, we speak to a group of 11 African creatives, researchers, doers, leaders, and activists whose identities are similar to Professor Wangari Mathai's in that many of them are both Western and African, elite and rural, all grappling with the deepest and most complex questions facing all of Africa today. What it means to be an African. These leaders are thinking for themselves and paving new, sometimes controversial paths to a second independence. We invite you to join us on our journey of discovery.
0: I call upon Wangari Mathai to give her Nobel lecture.
2: I stand before you and the world, humbled by this recognition, and uplifted by the honour of
1: being. When the first African woman to win the Nobel Peace Prize, Professor Wangari Mathai, rose to the podium to make her acceptance speech in 2004, she had no idea that she had already multiplied herself, this time in a 10-year-old girl from her hometown of Ihithe in the central highlands of Kenya. This girl was already emulating Mathai by planting trees at her school, hoping that one day she would meet her role model.
0: I always wanted to meet prof and plant a tree with her. So I remember telling this to my mom and my my grandmom, and what they would tell me is that, if you want to meet prof that much, then you have to study hard, just like she did. And trust you me, this was my driving force in school.
1: Professor Mathai was awarded the Peace Prize for her contribution to sustainable development, democracy, and peace through the Green Belt Movement, which has planted over 51 million trees and trained over 30,000 women in forestry, food processing, beekeeping and other trades that help them earn an income while preserving their lands and resources. From her own field research while working at the University of Nairobi and through the National Council of Women of Kenya, Mathai witnessed and heard complaints from rural women about a lack of firewood, soil erosion, malnutrition, and a lack of water, all problems associated with
2: deforestation. And indeed, the whole world. Tree planting became a natural choice to address some of the initial basic needs identified by women. Also, tree planting is simple, attainable, and guarantees quick, successful results within a reasonable amount of time. These are all important to sustain interest and commitment. So together we planted over 30 million trees that provide fuel, food, shelter, and income to support the children's and education and household needs. The activity also creates employment and improves soils and watersheds. Through their involvement, women gain some degree of power over their lives, especially their social and economic position and relevance in the family.
1: It was not easy for Mathai to convince her community that planting trees could become a potential source of income back in 1977 When the Green Belt movement was founded.
2: Initially, the work was difficult because historically our people have been persuaded to believe that because they are poor, they lack not only capital but also knowledge and skills to address their challenges. Instead, they are conditioned to believe that their solutions to their problems must come from outside.
1: In a 2005 Strides in Development documentary, Mathai outlined why it is so important to put the environment at the top of any individual and government priority list.
2: I think that it is very, very important to continue encouraging our governments and ourselves that the environment is not really an issue for tomorrow. The environment is everyday issue. It's the air we breathe. It's the water we drink. It's the food we eat. And we can't live without these things.
1: Since Professor Mathai laid this foundation, it has become much easier for the 10-year-old girl, who is now a grown-up 26-year-old woman, to convince her peers to plant trees too and save the environment and human life.
0: It's the first act that I was able to do as a young child, that's planting a tree. And to me, I thought this was very symbolic and I thought this really made me connect to the natural world and also connect to the forest landscape. And this was the first idea that was in my mind on how I can be able to engage young children into nature and engage them into conservation. So I started at a campaign that I dubbed Adopt a Tree campaign, whereby I would ensure that every child in every school gets a chance to plant and adopt a tree each in their school compound.
1: Elizabeth Watuthi is now the head of campaigns at the Wangari Mathai Foundation and I sat down with her to talk about her role model, climate change and the impact of COVID-19 in her community. Remember to like, rate and review this podcast so that more people like you can find it. COVID-19 has had a big impact on our environments and livelihoods. What changes have you observed in your community?
0: Yes, we observed quite a number of changes during the lockdown period. And of course, people were sending in all types of pictures some were even able to see the peaks of some mountains like Mount Kenya in places where they would not see them before and even other people would share pictures of how some of the streams were kind of becoming clean because there was not too much human activities happening at that time but for me this picture was a good picture and a sad picture at the same time because I started to imagine what would happen back to the world when we get back to the post COVID-19 period. So I think COVID-19 proved to us that clean air is possible but only if we are more responsible as the entire human race and I think if we need to maintain what we were seeing during the lockdown we need to see this COVID-19 as an opportunity for us as the entire human race to learn and to also change some of our ways and some of our ways of doing things that we used to do back then.
1: Watudi believes that nobody is too small or too young to make a difference. In 2011, she launched the Green Generation Initiative, a nonprofit research for development organization focused on training young students in agriculture. Her focus was not just on planting trees alone. She also works to make sure that those trees grow to full maturity, including the children who plant them.
0: And so this is the same culture I'm trying to inculcate into these young children to be able to nurture the plant up to maturity. And the other thing is that we are focusing on some of the impacts of the climate crisis. And you know that food insecurity in Africa is one of the greatest impacts caused by the climate crisis, and it is affecting the women and the children the most. These are the same children who have to spend a whole day in school without a meal. So how can we make sure that as much as we are training them on the environment, we also make sure that we are trying to reduce the impacts of these challenges or we are trying to do what we call climate change adaptation and mitigation measures. So we started these food forest establishment in schools to make sure that the types of trees we are planting are helpful and they have a nutritious value to these children because when you plant a fruit tree in the school compound it's going to help increase the forest cover and at the same time it's going to help give them a nutritious source of food for them that will even go into their school's feeding program
1: from our conversation i was not entirely convinced that children can be so invested in protecting their immediate environments but i was mistaken
0: i think i would give you a very practical example So I took a group of children in the city to see one of the most polluted rivers in Nairobi. And for me, I was trying to pass to them a message just to enlighten them about what is happening to the world today and what they can be able to do as young children. And I took them to this street and the two questions they asked me really made me understand that the young people and the children are ready and willing to fight for their future because they asked me who did this and there were young children even below the age of 10 and the next question was what can we do about it so it was really exciting to hear this from young children that they want to understand who is messing the planet and how can they as young children be on the forefront to be able to reverse what is happening and to be able to see something clean. Because in class they are taught that the water should be clear, but then I bring them to this stream and the water is in a mess, it's brown in color, there's a lot of uh, smell coming from the river and the other thing they can see is a kind of, just lots of plastic waste inside the stream. And of course it's so, heartbreaking for them. And I could tell from their reactions that it's not something they loved to see. So the reception is definitely the fact that young people are willing to stand up for what they believe in, and they are willing to stand up to protect the environment. And they're also willing to be educated about the solutions that they can embark on to be able to reverse some of these dangers that are facing our environment today.
1: And the stakes could not be higher in 2021. Later on this year, world leaders will meet for the United Nations Climate Change Gathering known as COP26. Decisions made in November will have wide-ranging implications for African countries who are already experiencing the effects of climate change, such as prolonged droughts and long rainy wet seasons, including floods. The changing climate will also have a direct impact on African countries' abilities to develop and have strong sustainable economies in the future. In her lifetime, Professor Mathai always emphasized that climate change and economic development are two sides of the same coin.
2: You cannot sustain the economy if you don't take care of the environment, because we know that. The resources that we use, whether it is oil, whether it is energy, whether it is food, whether it is uh, land, whether it is forests, all of these are the basis upon which development happens. And development is what we say generates a good economy and puts money in our pockets. If we destroy the environment, we destroy the base upon which development can take place upon which we can build an economy that will put money in our pockets and build and give us jobs.
1: Planting trees is the first step we can all take to mitigate the effects of climate change and ensure that future generations can also enjoy a healthy and thriving environment long after we're gone. When I asked Elizabeth which African thinker or philosopher she admired the most, her answer was not surprising.
0: I would say uh, this question always goes back down to Prof. And being the fact that my favorite book is Unbowed, written by Professor Ngare Mathai, and for me, this is her life story. And it feels like she is actually speaking. It feels like she is actually speaking to me when I read this book every time I read it. And when I was growing up, something I didn't mention, I always wanted to meet prof and plant a tree with her because she was my member of parliament in my home region. And I believe that one day I would meet her and plant a tree with her. So I remember telling this to my mom and my, and my grandmom and what they would tell me is that if you want to meet prof that much then you have to study hard just like she did. And trust you me this was my driving force in school. I was studying hard because I want to meet prof. And I remember when I was in my form 3 in high school I got the news that Prof had passed on and it was really heartbreaking for me because I really wanted to meet Prof, I really wanted to meet her, but it did not happen and so I embarked on reading her books, going to the library and finding every bit of written information that would make me understand more about Prof because I wanted to know why she was this passionate, I wanted to know why she was into this fight wholeheartedly to an extent of even risking her life risking her family and everything that she ever loved and owned uh, when she was alive and i came across this book and bowed and i would say this book really powered me and this book gave me some energy and strength to carry on despite the fact that i did not come to meet her and i believe that just like prof i would also Just like Prof, I would also be able to make a difference to change some of the things that were making me angry on seeing them, like, you know, people cutting down trees, uh, going to places and seeing the waterways looking not clean and looking, I mean, full of plastic waste and all these things that I was reading about air pollution and everything that was happening to the world. And I believe that all these things shaped me into the person I am today and it is through howards of encouragement, howards of passion, howards of courage, howards of just go and do it, be that tiny little hummingbird, do the best that you can to save this world that keep me going each and every day and I read most of her books also, I watch documentaries about her and I think this definitely powers me every time to keep fighting.
1: And since we're on the subject, what does it mean for you to think African?
0: To think African for me means seeing Africa, seeing Africa for what Africa is, seeing Africa for its resources, its solutions, its ideas and its people and not finding solutions elsewhere when Africa has got its own solutions, not finding ideas or leadership elsewhere when Africa has got its own leaders. So for me, thinking Africa is seeing Africa for what Africa is, for its people, for its cultures, for its ideas, for, for our resources, for everything that Africa has. And then using those ideas and everything that you see Africa for, to shape Africa into a greater Africa.
1: In her book, The Challenge for Africa, Nobel laureate Professor Wangari Mathai called for genuine leadership that puts people's welfare first, places the environment at the center of development, and maintains a vision for the future founded on justice and sustainability. Next week, we will meet one of those leaders, South African environmentalist and human rights defender Makoma Lekalakala, who was instrumental in stopping a multi-billion-rand nuclear power deal between South Africa and Russia.
2: If we're saying we're dealing with COVID-19 and um, forget about climate change, we're making the biggest mistake of our lives. Um, and uh, this is where we need to ensure that um, the government institutions are not you know, flouting on regulations are not flouting on policies and they follow legislation fully
1: that's next week on think african until then merci obrigado gracias shukran asante sana baa danki thank you for listening stay safe and sound <laughs>